everyone, it's Artie from the Human Chapters. I'll tell you a little bit about the Human Chapters before I introduce Pauline um, for today's conversation. So humans are living narratives with the past, present and future. These narratives constitute of a number of chapters across a lifespan. The aim of these conversations is to highlight a chapter of the narrative or the human life and unpack its connections to other chapters. I don't care whether people are natural storytellers, but I truly, truly believe each person has a story to tell. Now there's an acknowledgement to country. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are. We pay respect to their tribal elders past and present and emerging. We celebrate their continuing culture and we acknowledge the memory of their ancestors. And today we are having a conversation with the wonderful Pauline. Pauline is from Kenya and her chapter is titled Rebirth of a Queen. On to you, Pauline. Hello, thank you so much, Arti. My name is Pauline Juma and uh, I am from Kenya. I'm 25 years old. I was born and raised in Kibera slums. That, that is one of the largest slums in uh, Africa after Soweto. So it's the second largest slum. And uh, I am the firstborn in a family of four. I am a mother to two wonderful boys and now a, a guardian mother to 12, 13 girls. Yes, 13 girls. And uh, I love writing. I love telling stories. I love being authentic in every step that I make. I am the founder of Rebirth of a Queen. That is an initiative to empower and support survivors of gender-based violence, to be specific teenagers and children, survivors of gender-based violence through empowerment, mentorship, and education. And uh, I am a dreamer, that is what I would say. I am a dreamer and uh, I just love when my authenticity flows and uh, inspires someone else because being born and raised in poverty, I wanted, I always wanted someone to inspire me. I always looked up to people. I looked up to Oprah when I was really young and I was like, one day, I want to do what she does and even do more. So that is what inspired me when I was growing up. And uh, two years ago, my life just started becoming better by speaking out, by trying to connect to other people and uh, just trying to be me. And through that, I've really, doors have really opened up for me. Doors, amazing doors, authentic doors. I call them authentic doors. Most of my friends called me authentic Pauline Juma because they connect me with authenticity. If there's one thing I love and even I tell everyone around me, give me the real you. I can deal with that. When you bring up the fake you, we'll get lost on the way. Yes. Beautiful. So Pauline, you mentioned you grew up in um, Kibera slums. What was life like growing up? And feel free to say no if it's if you're uncomfortable <laughs> with it, you have full power. Um, and I can go on to another question. Ah, uh, you see, anytime I think about Kibera slums, I resonate Kibera with the resilience for me. I did not have one of the easiest life. 
growing up with the parents, uh, my parents were very humble. My father being a trailer driver and my mother was doing house, was doing house. She was not a housewife, but she was doing housework for people. She was a house help for different people. And that is the environment I grew up in. Getting a meal for us was a blessing. Going to school for us was the greatest blessing in life and uh, in my own society. You see, I, I keep telling teenagers everywhere I meet them that they are beautiful, they are amazing, and they are confident. Because while I was growing up, no one ever told me that. No one ever gave me the opportunity to feel that I could make it. No one ever, no one ever told me, Pauline, you know what? You're beautiful, and don't let anyone else lie to you. I grew up in a very hostile environment. That is what I would say. Very hostile environment. And uh, my mom taught me one thing, to be very resilient. She gave me the skills to always bounce back. She did not directly tell me, Pauline, you're strong. But through everything my mother used to do, seeing her washing clothes for people, sometimes she gets abused by people. She comes home, there's no food. But she will, have, she will actually put us to sleep, read us a Bible verse, and uh, make sure we are sleeping so that uh, we can forget that we are hungry. And uh, as a teenager, my life was just OK until the age of 16 when I was sexually violated and it was a gang rape. And at the age of 19, when I went through a, a domestic violence in an early marriage, and uh, my life actually turned around when I was 16 because I lost it all. I lost it through the hands of the perpetrators. I stopped believing. Uh, I wanted to be a journalist from the time I was very little. But at the age of 16, I just stopped believing in myself completely. I stopped believing in any dreams, and I was just surviving. I told myself, now from now, I am going to survive. I tried to commit suicide, but it was like anytime I want to do it, someone was always there to rescue me. Anytime I want to do it, something would always remind me that, Pauline, you're a firstborn. You're supposed to take care of your mom. You're supposed to take care of your siblings. So if you take your life away right now, your mother would crash. Because for me, my mother was the greatest pillar while I was growing up. So life in Kibera, for me, grew the resilient spirit in me. Sometimes I ask myself, if I was born in another place, would I be who I am? And the answer is definitely no, because Kibera has shaped who I am. Kibera has shaped my future. Kibera has shaped, uh, has shaped the authentic me, because the, the environment that I grew up in, that is what I strive every day to make it better for teenagers that are coming up. Wow. Articulated that incredibly well. You okay? So when you were sixteen, you went through there was gang rape, um, and and prior to that, you mentioned it was a very hostile environment. Yeah. Would you like to expand a little bit on what parts or what elements that someone like me might be cushioned from, but I'm able to watch documentaries watch tv shows and that's part of my knowledge of what it mm -hmm. what it might be like growing up but in a slum but from your perspective <laughs> your first hand, um what was that hostile environment like the hostile environment I grew up in Kibera in is you see while I was growing up no woman was supposed to speak out 
I think from the time I was really little, I was always, I was always the naive one. I was called a rebel in the society. I was always the one who wants, who questions everything. Mom, why is this do? Why is this happening? Mom, why is this man beating the wife and the wife is not going is not going anywhere? Mom, why is this happening? And my mom just reminded me last year that at the age of nine, I told her that when I grow up. I want to have my own children's home. And uh, mom, to, mom told me, you know that we are poor. We can't even afford it right now. But you have the dreams of opening a children's home. And mom just told me, I answered her, God will make a way when that time comes. But I want to have a children's home so that no child will ever go through what I went through. You see, inside the house, there's hunger, there's poverty, there is insecurity, maybe you're not ever going to school. I, my, I, I didn't ever grew up with a father who was beating my mother, but I grew up with, a, I saw my father struggling, I saw my father going beyond, and I saw my father just trying his best. But in the neighborhood, at the age of 13, I lost a neighbor. I lost a neighbor. She was a very beautiful woman. She had three daughters. And at the moment she died, she had, she had just given birth to one son. So the woman died because of the beatings from the husband. The husband was beating her when she was pregnant. And uh, apparently the doctors said that her uterus had uh, her uterus, uh, uh, maybe something happened to her uterus. So when she gave birth, she couldn't hold it anymore. And uh, the day I got the news that uh, she was called Mama Brenda, Mama Brenda is dead. I have never, it took time for me to forgive myself because I was like, now, why did you allow yourself to die? Who's going to take care of you? And she had three beautiful daughters. They, those girls are beautiful to this day. But anytime I look at, their, at, those, at those girls, anytime I meet them, even today if I meet them, it will hit me. Mama Brenda didn't want to go away from this marriage. And that is why she died. And now see, her daughters do not have a mother. And the, I believe a mother is the greatest role model in a family. And uh, as, a, as a woman, from that time, as a little girl, I promised myself no one would ever put me into that situation again. And I promised myself no one will ever intimidate me or make me go through such situation as Mama Brenda. And uh, being a rebel in the society, a rebel, as they called me, a lot of people didn't want to associate with me because I was always in my own world. I hated violence. I hated poverty. I, I really hated poverty from the time I was young. So I would, whenever I was with my friends, I would say dreams like, I want to be a journalist. I just want to travel around the world. I want to have a children's home. And you're just a, a teenager, a little teenager. And people are like, what is wrong with this girl? What is one really encouraged me that part. They were like, no, this is just a dreamer. That is what she says. That is what she speaks about. But look at their family. They have nothing. And I never wanted someone to associate me with poverty in my family. And uh, one, at one time, I got a scholarship. And I went to a very good school. And you see, in that school, 
I tried to fit in. I tried to fit in in the system of uh, my friends who were very rich. They have, they had cars, they had good houses. You see, we called, we used to call our house in Kibera a self-confused house, where the sitting room, the bedroom, the kitchen, almost the toilet is in one place. And whenever I used to go to my friends for sleepover and I found them maybe in a two-bedroom house and I'm like, wow, your house looks so beautiful. Any, you, even, you even have your own place to sleep. Wow. And sometimes I will, I will never want to go home and I will try to fit in and just try. Sometimes I will pretend that I'm rich and uh, it costed me. It costed me my self-esteem because if there's one thing I'm learning right now is being authentic. At that moment, that is where I lost it. I lost it because I wanted to fit in in my rich classmates' shoes. And uh, at that moment, that was not me. My father and my mother could only provide the self-confused house. And it was my responsibility to work hard and to, to do what it takes to provide for myself the, the self-contained house, to provide for myself and even my mom a house that they would live happily and that they would live without any issues. Our house in Kibera, whenever it started raining, we were not sleeping because the house is raining from inside, the sewerage is entering and uh, the house is a mess. So that hostility, I, it, it inspired me. But uh, you see, at the age of 16, after the ordeal of gang rape, I lost it. I was like, no, I, I, I cannot be that person. And this was not only my story at that time. That was a story I used to hear from a lot of my friends. And uh, at that moment, I feel I felt like, no, I, I, this can't happen to me. But when it happened to me, it dawned that I'm just like any other girl. I'm, I'm just like them. And my self-esteem completely, I, I lost it completely at 16. I was like, I can never be anyone. All my dreams were shattered. The journalist in, the journalist in me just died. And uh, I believed in the words of my perpetrator when they told me I'm useless. Those are the words that I carried for almost three years. I was like, Pauline, there's nothing that will ever amount from you. So when I was getting married at the age of 19, I went into a marriage to find validation from another person because for me, I was no one. For me, I was just a girl in a society that had to fit in, that had to be in a man to feel secure, that had to be in a man to feel loved. And after one year in that marriage and it was it was all hectic, being beaten up, trying. You see, at the age of 19, I was Mama Brenda. The one I, I experienced at the age of 13, because I was like, no, I am not going to speak. I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to try my best to fit in and be the perfect wife and try to cover up my husband. And uh, if he beats me up when I go home, my mom asked me, I, I'll tell my mom I fell into the stairs and there's no stairs in that place. So just trying to cover up so that my marriage will not spoil and my community will not laugh at me. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so before I go on to a logical question of when did it change for you? When did the positive change happen? I would like to for you to expand on one point. You initially said going to school was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Please expand on that. <laughs> 
I, I remember when I was in grade six, my father was working as a driver in a very prestigious school. And uh, in that school, they offered a scholarship for the two of us. That was me, the firstborn, and my secondborn sister. And uh, that is when I met my rich friends. That is when I was introduced to a house that had too many rooms. But in that school, I knew very well, this is a primary level. Secondary, maybe I might never go to school because my father didn't have the money or my mother didn't have the money to raise for us to go to school. So I was in grade six, grade seven. And uh, one day I went home and my mom told me, Pauline, a friend of mine has just gotten a scholarship in a school, but it's, it's not prestigious as the one you're going, but it's just a school nearby and they, they are offering scholarship from the time you enter to even uh, your university level. I was like, I didn't, I didn't even ask twice. I was like, mom, can I go for an interview? I am ready to go for the interview tomorrow. Is it okay I go? And my mom was like, wait, you're leaving a prestigious school to go to this school? And I was like, mom, I want to go to high school in this school. I don't see my future. Yes, it's prestigious. Yes, I'm so I'm so glad that I've been taught how to speak good English. I've been taught taught how to compose myself. But again, in the same school, I was being discriminated for being the, the driver's child. Anytime, like one day, I hated science when I was in primary because my science teacher one day abused me and told me, go to your father who's a driver. You can't amount to anything. And I didn't tell anyone. So when I got this opportunity of another school that was, that was just in Kibera Slam and there's a scholarship, I was like, yes, this is what I want. And I went to that school, I did the interview, I passed my interview and uh, I went to grade eight in that school. And uh, I knew that I, my, my, my secondary education was secure because I went through secondary education through, through scholarship. And that is the same that happened to my second born sister. My second born sister was sponsored by one of the most, it's, 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 a, it's a bank in Kenya called Equity. They have a Wings to Fly Foundation that sponsors uh, children from uh, vulnerable backgrounds. And my third born sister was also went to, went to school through scholarship. Also, my brother went to school through scholarship. So all of us got the opportunity to go to school through scholarship. And that is why any time I think of my education, it's always a blessing. Because even me doing my diploma in journalism, it was a scholarship. So for me, it was a, it, it's always a blessing. Without these opportunities that I've gotten for scholarship, I wouldn't be where I am in terms of education. <laughs> Wow, that is such a beautiful picture of education and yes. your love for it, your appreciation for it, but also, yeah, you've said it's a blessing for yes. you and, and your siblings as well. Yes. That's amazing. Okay, so the other point I would like for you to expand on, and you've mentioned this a few times, is authenticity and yes right <laughs> as being authentic and you what does being authentic mean to you wow <laughs> authentic i think authentic should be my surname because for me if there's one thing i'm practicing every day to show up to the world 
as who I am. Yeah. I don't need to fake anything. I don't need to fit in into any system. I just need to be who I am. To hold, always hold on to my values, to always hold on to integrity, and just to be the true authentic me because I was created to be a kind person. I was created to love. I was created to have abundance in this life. So why should I pretend I'm another person? And that is what I tell the teenagers. I can't pretend to you that I'm poor. I'm not poor. I, I, I decided to refuse this. And uh, for me to show my authenticity, I have to let love flow through me to other people. I have to love myself first. And for me, authenticity has really shown up even in my healing journey. You see, uh, earlier this year, I realized there, there are bits in my healing journey that have not healed. I am still struggling whenever I see a green dress because that was a dress I was in when I was defiled. So whenever I see a green dress, I'm always like, no, no. Why is this person wearing this dress? And I've tried even to speak out to people and tell them, you know, their words when you tell me they hurt, just try, try, uh, just don't tell me such words. For me being authentic, I've had to back off from conversations that do not fit me at all. I've had to, to destroy friendship or to disconnect, to, de to, uh, uh, to just disattach myself from everything that is not for my healing journey. And uh, this year I've been very selfish. That is what I would say. I tell people for me to raise an authentic generation, I have to be authentic myself. For me to be a healer to someone else, I have to heal. So when I feel like a, your phone conversation does not add any value to me, I am not going to do it anymore. If I feel like, uh, especially something that is really pissing off me off at this moment is the character of any man who comes into my inbox. Hi, I have heard your story. I am so sorry. I would love to marry you. Then I'm like, wait, do I tell my story for sexual favors? So the moment I learned to say no, I, to be honest, I've lost a lot of people. I've lost a lot of people by just saying no. I've lost a lot of people by just saying, yes, I can help you here, but here I cannot help you because I was always the one giving it all. I was always the one suffering. I was almost even taking the cross on me for people, but I've, I've realized that they never appreciated me. So when I made up my mind to help those who need help, for me, that is where my authenticity grew. grew. That is when I decide, I, I realized now, Pauline, this is the true you. And work hard every day, learn every day to be a better person, first for yourself, then to your family, then to the world. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually resonate with that point very deeply. It's so mm -hmm. important to be able to be honest with who you are, authentic to yourself, but then yes. to others as well. Because mm -hmm. we're very good with masking a lot of things and, you know, saying, mm -hmm. and having lots of excuses, um, not just for everyone else, but for our own selves. Mm -hmm. so, yes. Um, okay. My other, right, then we go back to the 16-year-old you, the 19-year-old you, you got mm. married. When was, 
when did the change actually happen? Yeah, I understand it's a continuing change, but that moment of change. <laughs> I call it my breakthrough. <laughs> You see, at uh, by the time I was breaking my marriage, I was 20 years old. And uh, that day, my then husband came home and uh, started beating me up in the middle of the night. That was around 12 a.m. And uh, he was beating me up. He was beating me up. And I was like, no, this is over. I can't take this anymore. And uh, at that moment, I decided I am going to pick up my things and go back to my mother's house. I did not care whatever the society was saying, because that day my son really cried. And I was like, no, I made a promise to my son that I'm never going to let anyone intimidate me for him because I needed my son to grow up as a strong person. I was uh, being brought as a firstborn for me, always made me have responsibility, always made me think ahead even for the future of my son. So that night when I left home, uh, when I left my house to our home, I was like, no, this is over. I can't take this anymore. But uh, the man was very violent. He went ahead and abused me even on the road. And one day he called me a dead flower in front of people, in front of border border riders. And they all laughed at me. I was like, I will show you that I'm not a dead flower. And so for me, I was always vengeful. While I was growing up, I was always vengeful because I had never forgiven a lot of people. So by that time, I decided that I'm going to get married again. I had not healed, it was almost four months later and I got married to another person. And uh, my second marriage broke because, not because that person was violent, but because I realized this is not the path that I wanted. I now had two sons and this is not the path that I wanted. I am in this relationship to prove a point to someone else, maybe to validate something to someone else. And I had to end it. And that is when I was like, you know what? Instead of me always bouncing back in bitterness, what about I bounce back with love? What about I bounce back to be a difference to someone else? What about I tell my story just to make someone else's life better? And at the age of 22, I started training young girls modeling. I love modeling because for me, modeling gives me power. Modeling reminds me that I'm a queen. So at 22, for almost one year, I was training girls modeling. No one really knew, no one really understood what I was doing. But for me, training a 13-year-old girl, training a 16-year-old girl, training a 15-year-old girl was reminding me that this is who you are. This is the beautiful girl that you are. But you, but uh, in one way or the other, uh, the environment was not conducive, but I was healing through the girls. I have healed through teenagers because by, by, by just empowering them to be better people from their childhood reminds me, this is how beautiful your life should be. And for me, I learned, and that was my breakthrough. The moment I started training girls 
I opened up to more opportunities. For one year, I was just training, 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 dedicating my whole life to these teenagers. I was working at that time and every coin I was getting, I was like, no, they have to go to school. They have to get everything they want. Sometimes I was just bringing them out of Kibera to go to someone else, to, to go to some area and just realize that the world is so beautiful beyond Kibera. That was an opportunity that I didn't get. And I was like, no, I am going to give them this opportunity because in, 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 this, in the slums, you might not find inspiration, but just go outside Kibera. Sometimes you'll just go in prestige. That is uh, the, it's, it's near Kibera. And I was like, no, see, have you seen a woman driving? You can also drive your own car. You can also have the best life. You can own these beautiful buildings. And for me, that is where it began. That is where the rebirth process for me began because I was like, every day I was a better person. And for me, I was a better person by making another person's life better. Yeah. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> I'd love to go back a couple of steps. And yes. you talked about loving modeling and actually yes. finding power in modeling. Um, yes. Please expand on it. I love lots of expansions, clearly. <laughs> you see, in, yeah. What did, what did modeling do to you in terms of training is one thing, training other girls yeah. to yourself yeah. intrinsically? What did it? Uh, yeah. So in 2016, I joined modeling. Uh, we used to have uh, we used to have uh, uh, modeling events in Kibera, and uh, every year it was always a festival in December. And uh, the first day I went is on it was in 2015. I went for the I went for the auditions, and the three steps I made. The trainer at that time told me, Pauline, you are the best model I've seen. And this is your power. Take it, Pauline. And I didn't take it seriously by that time. So I went through the training. But the first day I went into the runway, there were more than a thousand people watching. And it was in the slums. And if you made any mistakes, they were going to boo you. If you do well, they were going to clap for you. But Every time I was on the runway, I didn't even think about them. I didn't even think about every anyone watching me. And uh, that was the only time. And until today, when I'm on the runway, that is the only time I wear heels. So any step I made, I told myself, you are a queen. You are amazing. You are beautiful. Look at how the world respects you. So do you mind learning to respect yourself? And that is what I did in, uh, that is what I did, uh, that is what I did uh, in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018, I was crowned Miss Kibera. I can never explain the feeling until this date. Just being crowned as Miss Kibera and uh, the speech that I gave that day was a speech for education because for me, education is very close to my heart. I gave a speech of a world that I see every single day, a world where a child in the slum will get quality education. Yeah. So 
So it has always been wonderful. For me, modeling is empowering. For me, modeling is a beautiful thing that I do every single day. Yeah. It <laughs> is so heartwarming and energizing to hear. <laughs> um, and then the next question is, that's where your rebirth journey started. Now yes. we're here chapter and yeah. how did rebirth of the queen, how was it conceived? What's, what's the journey been like for rebirth? Ah, so in 2018 December, just after I won the crown, Miss Kibera, you see, uh, for a long time, uh, I used to battle anxieties. And every time I, I started writing poetry from the time I was 16, because for me, I, I was still not someone so open enough to tell my story to someone else. So I used to hide behind the poet and tell a story. I used to hide behind the persona in the poem and uh, just tell my story and tell it and post it on Facebook. And a lot of people were like, Pauline, why are you telling these stories? But I remember, the, I remember in the December 2018, I wrote one of the best poem, a poem that I still hold in my life, because I wrote, Dear Pauline, you're beautiful, you're amazing, you're confident, you can do all things as long as you set your mind to do it. And just below the poem, I wrote, and this is the rebirth of a queen journey. So in 2018, I wrote it, and I don't know what that poem did to my life, because from that day, my life changed completely. Anytime I was low, I could take the poem, look at the mirror and just write and just, uh, just uh, recite the poem over and over again. And it was boosting my confidence. I became more confident. And in 2019, from uh, August, I was going through very hard moments. I was like, what am I really going to do to this world? Because there is a gift in me, there is light in me that I need to shine to the world. I was still training modeling, but I felt like I'm hiding behind modeling. My passion is to end gender-based violence in the country. My passion is to, is to give hope to teenage survivors. And that is when I was like, you know what? Rebirth of a Queen is here. Rebirth of a Queen is here to make the change. And now I am going to use Rebirth of a Queen to make the world a better place. So slowly by slowly, I, I, I just spoke to a few friends and they, they were like, yes, you can do it. And one of them was, uh, one of the greatest people I've met in this journey was Kavita. She was like, why not? You can do it. And I was like, wait, you mean I can do it? But I'm just a girl from the slum. That is what I used to tell my mind. But I'm just a girl from the slum. And something hits me. Yes, you're a girl from the slum, but with a vision of a queen. So go for it. And that is how I started Rebirth of a Queen. And the purpose of Rebirth of a Queen was to restore hope, to restore love. Because in a journey of any person, there is a process that they need to learn every single day and i told myself because life has given me an opportunity a million times to always bounce back this is the same thing i'm going to do to teenagers and children that i'm going to meet oh 
My heart is so happy and now <laughs> that is amazing. Okay. So rebirth of a queen started. You started making connections. You started. When did you secure a place for it? What is it looking like at this moment? So uh, at the moment, when I started Rebirth of a Queen, my dream was to have a safe space. Because for me, I didn't have that safe space while I was 16. And sometimes I wish I could have had the safe space when I was 16. I didn't have a space to just say authentically who I was, what I was going through. And uh, I was going through my own emotions. I was always anxious. Sometimes I never wanted to see men. Sometimes I just wanted to be close to them, to feel security, to feel secure. And the purpose of me creating a safe space was to remind a survivor defilement was an event, but you have a lifelong process of healing. You have a lifelong process of being authentic and of reminding yourself that you are a queen. Yes, they took the crown out of your head, but you can always return it back. We can always put the crown and just adjust it a little to remind you that you are the most powerful being in this world. So we're uh, at the moment uh, in 2019 December when we were launching Rebirth of a Queen, we are one year in the next five days. We'll be celebrating our one year anniversary. So uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so when <laughs> when we were launching Rebirth of a Queen, the dream was to create a safe space. So when I got the opportunity, I just decided that you know what. It's my time to live my dreams. It's my time to also make other people's dream come to pass. And I, I, I approached people. It was not easy. It was not one of the easiest thing. I was like coming out of the worst comfort zone in my life of, no, people cannot help me. I'm just a dreamer. And when I was speaking the dreams and uh, in a lot of times and in human book club in January, after telling my story, I didn't even tell anyone that, you know what? I need beds. I need mattresses. But people reached out, Pauline, what do you need? How can we support? What can we do? And we had people who bought beds. We had others buying mattresses. We had others giving me their the, everything in their houses just for the shelter to come to pass. And in June this year, 1st June, we opened up our shelter. And at this moment, we are 13 girls. I am so proud, like I'm a mother to 13 girls. And it's, it's such a wonderful feeling. And now I, I didn't know this would happen to me, but the girls are right now my greatest inspiration. Anytime I find myself doubting myself, I have to remind myself, Pauline, you're raising queens. You're raising the greatest lawyers in this world. You're raising the greatest judges in this world. And that is what keeps me motivated. And that is what even gives me the idea of how I want the future to be, because the future of rebirth of a queen is so great. One day, the world will look at rebirth of a queen five years from now, and they'll be like, you know what? This is the game changer of gender-based violence in this era. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so backtracking. If people do want to support you, how do they get in touch with you? What are you actually looking for? What, you know, do you have a page anywhere that you keep 
updates or what? Yeah. <laughs> what would you like and how can people support you? So I will basically say this first year has been a year of learning, has been a year of us growing, has been a year of us uh, becoming becoming more aware of the situation. And uh, at the moment, if at the moment, whatever that we need, and this is something that I've learned from everyone that I've met, to make sure we are sustainable, to make sure rebirth of a queen depends on itself, to make sure for us to grow, we have to keep our first phase sustainable and to keep going. So at the moment, our greatest need is just resources to keep rebirth of a queen sustainable, to make sure the rent at the shelter is paid because for, the, for one year, for the whole of 2021, we've dedicated to renting as we look for our own permanent space. Because the dream shelter that I have is it will be a transformational and healing center, transformational healing and empowerment. So Rebirth of a Queen in the next two years, we'll have a school, we'll have one of the best serene and safe shelter. We'll have an empowerment space, so we will venture into agriculture that is farming, animal farming and poultry farming. So at the moment, for the next one year, we are looking for resources and support to just keep the shelter sustainable. So we are raising the rent for one year. We are raising the running cost for the shelter for one year. And also we've come up with three sustainable programs. One of them is fashion design. We have content creation that is storytelling i want to empower the world through storytelling this time i keep telling the teenagers i am provoking your spirits to tell your story because the world needs to hear the stories the world needs to connect with your stories and the world needs to empower you through your story and the third one will be detergent so we are going to make detergent. The third one will be farming. So we'll have farming, we'll have detergent making, we'll have content creation, and we'll have fashion design. So for anyone who, really, who wishes to support us, we have our Facebook page. We'll be having our website maybe uh, late in January. Uh, but at the moment, we have our we have a Facebook page. You can find a way to support us, and also, we are also using Mchanga Link. That is a that is a platform in Kenya to fundraise. It's called Mchanga. That is a we at the link. We are putting the link on our Facebook so that anyone anywhere around the world can easily donate to us. And we believe in little giving because that is what has made a big step for us. And if anyone has a skill, we are learning. We are, we, are, we are on our path to learning. And every skill that we get, especially for empowerment, it can be a great help for the girls at Rebirth of a Queen. And even for us, the leaders of Rebirth of a Queen. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm coming to you guys. I love individual designs of some of the clothes. And sometimes I have the designs in my head. <laughs> So I'm coming to you, Pauline, for that. Yes. Yeah. And I'm actually yeah, quite serious about it. Um, out of curiosity, you said farming and detergent making. Yes. Detergent is very specific. Why? Pardon? Why? Why did you go into detergent making as one of the programs? Uh, detergent making is uh, for us it's one of the one of the I won't call it the easiest way but one of the ways that we can get market 
in uh, we can get market especially in Kenya by making shampoos making soap liquid soaps making a uh, softener making bleaching agents and sell it to the local to the local community because one of the greatest challenges you see sometimes when you go to the supermarket and you see stay soft uh, or a softener you're like no this one I can't afford but why why don't we just bring it uh, to the local communities and tell them this is something that you can afford this is, with 50 shillings you can get you can get a softener for your for your clothes and also empower the teenagers to do something with their with their with their hands so that they can grow because this is something that you can do over the weekend while you're not in school and during the weekend we are uh, we from January we are going to also train teenagers on digital literacy to help them use social media for good because at the moment social media is used in different ways but why don't you empower them to use social media for good and just remind them that you can actually use very little resources to great to create a great impact and to have income for yourself yeah beautiful and where do you see so you said that you had an amazing vision for rebirth of the queen yeah would you like to tell us Ah, three years from now, we'll have our school, we'll have the best shelter, and we'll have a very sustainable program that is in terms of uh, creating income for the shelter. And uh, in five years from now, I keep telling myself, Pauline, the world is not ready for the girls you, the, that are coming out of Rebirth of a Queen. I assure the world that the best doctor will come from Rebirth of a Queen, the best lawyer, the best and the greatest storyteller, the best journalist, because we are here to remind them they can, they can become more than what they've just limited their mind to be. And that is my dream, to make sure once we are integrating these girls to their society, we are taking them to another level we are we are working on partnership with the international organizations like the un so that any girl that comes from the rebirth of a queen can have an internship in the un can learn in the un and even go to another level we are looking forward to have partnership with even universities outside kenya and universities in kenya so that any girl that comes from rebirth of a queen shall be assured of education and quality and the best education yeah <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Thank you. I just love this. Thank um, you. And I just, I have so much faith that it will happen. Yes. Uh, Thank you. In whatever way, means, shape, or form, it will, yeah. Oh, Thank you. Wow. Okay. So that's what the future is looking like for rebirth of the queen. What yes. Your your own self. In my own self? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my own self from 2021 I'll be venturing into storytelling and content creation. Okay. I I want to I want to identify myself with a storyteller, a, an empowerment storyteller to do stories to, to empower other people, to do stories, to bring opportunities to other people. For me to be who I am today, it was my story to be told, my story to be brought out. So from 2021, that is what I want to do for other people. 
with my journalism uh, diploma, I am going to use that to be a better person to uh, document stories, powerful stories, because for me, any survivor story, it's a powerful story because she or he survived that ordeal to be who they are. So that is what I'll be doing from January, God willing, and also open up more platform for storytelling. Oh my God, I want, I'm, I'm preparing my visa because I am not going to stay home in 2021. I just want to travel and let the whole world know who I am. <laughs> Let the whole world bring resources and solve uh, every pandemic that we have in the country because you see at the moment the only pandemic is not COVID-19. We have education is the greatest pandemic especially for, for children who are vulnerable in the slums. So if we get the opportunities we are going to make sure we are raising authentic generation through education, through empowerment. If we can have girls even at the age of 17 who can create income for themselves and be change makers. I keep telling teenagers the example of Malala. They, if there's one person I admire is that girl. I'm like, wait, you're still a teenager. You can actually mobilize resources in, in this much. That is what I want teenagers in Kenya to be. That is what I want teenagers in the slums to be. That is what I want every village girl to dream of. So from 2021, I'll be a storyteller. Yes. <laughs> you are a storyteller. You are Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, welcome. And is there anything you've wanted to say that I actually haven't asked or, yeah, stepped into? <laughs> really, I... Mm. No, if there's anything that I would want to tell the world, just get ready for Pauline. Get ready for Pauline. Get ready because I come with love. I come with peace. I come with authenticity, but I come to take power back. I come to take the power back and give it to every girl because they deserve it. I believe that every girl deserve to dream. Every girl deserve to achieve their dreams and uh, it's time we stop worshiping teenage pregnancy it's time we stop worshiping gender-based violence and just step over it and be the change that the world will want us to be and once again to anyone that is going to watch this beautiful video i just want them to touch their heart and tell themselves that i'm beautiful i am amazing i am confident i can do all things as long as the world, as long as I set my mind to do it. You are enough wherever you are. Don't compromise your strength. You are enough the way you are. Thank you. <laughs> that is amazing. Wow. I think that was a wrap up and I didn't even you <laughs> for final question. Oh my goodness. Thank you so very much, Pauline. It's been an Thank you. honor, I will say, wow, in less than an hour. <laughs> the amount of information, but yeah, the back and forth the conversation was fantastic. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going to put all the links in the introduction of this conversation and it will yes. be publicly available. Guys, 
if you resonate with it, please share it. Please share it with your friends, your family, share it publicly, share it privately, it doesn't matter. Um, it's nice to get the word out there. So thank you so much. I'll stop recording it. <sighs>